Hello, hello. We are here today and we are starting on the book of Esther today. This is another one of my favorite books within the Bible. So to give you a little overview, after the Babylonian Empire was captured, defeated, and replaced by the Persians in 539 BC, the government for the Jewish exiles transferred to Persia. The capital city of Susa is the setting for the story of Esther. This is during the reign of King Xerxes, his Greek name, or Ahasuerus, his Hebrew name, or, hang in there with me here, Kishayarshan, his Persian name. He ruled from 486 to 465 BC, and this book covers 483 to 473 BC. Most of the events occur around 473 BC. Esther became queen of Persia in 478 BC. So chronologically, the Esther story falls between Ezra 6 and 7, between the first return of the Jewish exiles from Babylon and Persia to Jerusalem in 538 BC under Zerubbabel, that's Ezra 1 through 6, and the second return led by Ezra in 457 BC, which is Ezra 7 through 10. Esther is placed after Nehemiah in the Old Testament, but its events actually occur 30 years before Nehemiah's journey to Jerusalem to rebuild the city wall. So the post-exilic books of Ezra and Nehemiah address issues that involve the Jewish remnant returning to Jerusalem. Esther records the development of the crucial importance among the Jews remaining in Persia. The significance of Queen Esther isn't seen only in her saving her people from destruction, but also in that she secured their safety and respect in a foreign land. This is a providential action, and it's part of what made Nehemiah's service in the king's court later on and his being selected to rebuild the wall of Jerusalem. And think about it. If Esther and the Jews had perished in Persia, the remnant in Jerusalem may never have rebuilt their city. So Jewish history would have been drastically different. So the author of the book of Esther is unknown, but it is thought from the book that he was someone personally acquainted with Persian customs, the palace of Susa, and King Xerxes himself. So the author probably lived in Persia during this time period and had Jewish sympathies as well as a knowledge of Jewish customs. He may have been a younger contemporary of Mordecai, but for whatever, it's just something fun to put out there. We don't know. Uh, now, the book has a twofold purpose. It was written to show how the Jewish people were protected and delivered from potential annihilation by God's intervention through Queen Esther. God's name isn't specifically mentioned anywhere in this book, but there is so much evidence of his providence throughout. This was written to provide a record of and a historical background also for the Jewish Feast of Purim to keep alive 
for generations to come the memory of great deliverance of the Jewish people in Persia. This also outlines the obligation for the annual commemoration of Purim. Um, and then, five features that characterize this book. First of all, it is one of two books in the Bible that's named after a woman. The other book is the book of Ruth. This book begins and ends with a feast. It records a total of ten feasts around which much of the book's story unfolds. Esther is the last of the five scrolls in the third part of the Hebrew Bible, the Hagiographa, or the Holy Writings. These are writings which are read publicly at one of the great Jewish festivals, this one read at the Feast of Purim. Celebrating the deliverance of the Jewish people in Persia under Queen Esther. Also, the book mentions a three-day fast. There are no explicit references, however, to God, worship, or prayer. But God's name appears nowhere in Esther, while his providence is all over this book. There isn't another book in the Bible that illustrates so powerfully God's providence in preserving the Jewish people in spite of their enemies. Haman's hatred for the Jews, his plot to kill and annihilate the Jews in the Persian Empire. This can be seen, too, as an Old Testament type of the New Testament Antichrist who will seek to destroy Jews and Christians alike at the end of history. So, we're going to start reading in chapter 1 today. With the removal of Queen Vashti, this is where the story starts. Um, the Ahasuerus of this book is commonly known by his Greek name, Xerxes. He ruled as king over Persia from 486 to 465 BC. Dates for the Book of Esther. The captivity of the Jews by Nebuchadnezzar in 586 BC the authorized return of the Jews from captivity in 538 BC. Then we have Esther's reign as Queen of Persia, which began in 479 BC. Next is Ezra's authorized trip from Babylon to Jerusalem, 458 BC. So the events of Esther all occurred about 21 years before Ezra led the second group of exiles to Jerusalem. Okay. Now, it came to pass in the days of Ahasuerus, this is Ahasuerus, which reigned from India, even unto Ethiopia, over an hundred and seven and twenty provinces, that in those days when the king Ahasuerus sat on the throne of his kingdom, which was in Shushan the palace, in the third year of his reign, he made a feast unto all his princes and his servants, the power of Persia and Medea, the nobles and princes of the provinces being before him. When he shewed the riches of his glorious kingdom and the honor of his excellent majesty many days, even an hundred and fourscore days, and when these days were expired, the king made a feast unto all the people that were present in Shushan, the palace, both unto great and small, seven days, in the court 
of the garden of the king's palace, where were white, green, and blue hangings, fastened with cords of fine linen and purple, to silver rings and pillars of marble. The beds were of gold and silver, upon a pavement of red and blue and white, and black marble. And they gave them drink in vessels of gold, the vessels being diverse one from another, and royal wine in abundance according to the state of the king. And the drinking was according to the law, none did compel, for so the king had appointed to all the officers of his house that they should do according to every man's pleasure. Also Vashti the queen made a feast for the women in the royal house which belonged to King Ahasuerus. On the seventh day, when the heart of the king was merry with wine, he commanded Mehuman, Biztha, Harbona, Bigtha, and Abagtha, Zethar, and Carcas, the seven chamberlains that served in the presence of Ahasuerus the king, to bring Vashti the queen before the king with the royal crown, to show the people and the princess her beauty, for she was fair to look on. But the queen Vashti refused to come at the king's commandment by his chamberlains. Therefore was the king very wroth, and his anger burned in him. Then the king said to the wise men which knew the times, for so was the king's manner towards all that knew law and judgment. And the next unto him was Karshena, Shethar, Admatha, Tarshish, Merez, Marsena, and Mamukan, the seven princes of Persia and Medea, which saw the king's face, and which sat in first in the kingdom. What shall we do unto the queen Vashti, according to law, because she hath not performed the commandment of the king Ahasuerus by the chamberlains? And Memukan answered before the king and the princes, Vashti the queen hath not done wrong to the king only, but also to all the princes and to all the people that are in the provinces of the king Ahasuerus. For this deed of the queen shall come abroad unto all women, so that they shall despise their husbands in their eyes, when it shall be reported. The king Ahasuerus commanded Vashti the queen to be brought in before him, but she came not. Likewise shall the ladies of Persia and Medea say this day unto all the king's princes which have heard of the deed of the queen. Thus shall there arise too much contempt and wrath. Sometimes it seems like the worldly wise are a little more in touch with the times than those who are supposedly the wise leaders among believers. It can be interesting. If it please the king, let there go a royal commandment from him, and let it be written among the laws of the Persians and the Medes, that it be not altered, that Vashti come no more before King Ahasuerus, and let the king give her royal estate unto another that is better than she. And when the king's decree which he shall make 
shall be published throughout all his empire, for it is great, all the wives shall give to their husbands honor, both to great and small. And the saying pleased the king and the princes, and the king did according to the word of Memacon, for he sent letters into all the king's provinces, into every province, according to the writing thereof, and to every people, after their language, that every man should bear rule in his house, and that it should be published according to the language of every people. The book of Esther, it doesn't contain an explicit mention of God, but it does show his continuing providence over the Jewish people. God directs, overrules, and uses the actions of men and women to accomplish his purposes, to preserve his chosen people. This book displays God's foresight and providence because Vashti refused to come to the king's party. Esther, a Jewish maiden, became the chosen queen. Mordecai was also a Jew, a close relative of Esther, and he uncovered the plot to kill the king. The king regarded Esther with special favor. The king discovered that Mordecai saved his life. The king desired to honor Mordecai at the exact moment Haman entered. The king helped Esther and the Jewish people who were about to be destroyed. Mordecai became very influential with the king. Not to spoil the whole story, but all of that with God, all things are possible. After these things, when the wrath of King Ahasuerus was appeased, he remembered Vashti and what she had done, and what was decreed against her. Then said the king's servants that ministered unto him, Let there be fair young virgins sought for the king, and let the king appoint officers in all the provinces of his kingdom, that they may to gather together all the fair young virgins unto Shushan the palace, to the house of the women, unto the custody of Hege, the king's chamberlain, keeper of the women, and let their things for purification be given them. And let the maiden which pleaseth the king be queen instead of Vashti. And the thing pleased the king, and he did so. Now in Shushan the palace there was a certain Jew whose name was Mordecai, the son of Jair, the son of Shimei, the son of Kish, a Benjamite. Quick note, Jew, or Hebrew, Yehudai, Judahite, Judean. This term was used of the people of the southern kingdom of Judah. By the time of Esther, it was used of the people of Israel as a whole, in contrast to the non-Jews, or Gentiles, which in Hebrew is Goyim, or nations. In the New Testament, it includes all 12 tribes of Israel. Okay, verse 6. Who had been carried away from Jerusalem with the captivity which had been carried away with Jeconiah, king of Judah, whom Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, had carried away? It was Kish, Mordecai's great-grandfather, not Mordecai himself, who was taken from Jerusalem and exiled along with King Jeconiah, or Jehoiachin, in 587 B.C. Okay. 
and he brought up Hadassah, that is, Esther, his uncle's daughter, for she had neither father nor mother, and the maid was fair and beautiful, whom Mordecai, when her father and mother were dead, took for his own daughter. So it came to pass, when the king's commandment and his decree was heard, and when many maidens were gathered together unto Shushan, the palace, to the custody of Hegei, that Esther was brought also unto the king's house, to the custody of Hegei, keeper of the women. And the maiden pleased him, and she obtained kindness of him, and he speedily gave her things for purification, with such things as belonged to her, and seven maidens, which were meet to be given her out of the king's house. And he preferred her and her maids unto the best place of the house of the women. Esther had not showed her people, nor her kindred, for Mordecai had charged her that she should not show it. And Mordecai walked every day before the court of the women's house to know how Esther did and what should become of her. Now when every maid's turn was come to go in to King Ahasuerus, after that she had been twelve months, according to the manner of the women, for so were the days of their purifications accomplished, to wit, six months with oil of myrrh, and six months with sweet odors, and with other things, for the purifying of the women. Thus came every maiden unto the king, Whatsoever she desired was given her to go with her out of the house of the women unto the king's house. In the evening she went, and on the morrow she returned into the second house of the women to the custody of Shashgaz, the king's chamberlain, which kept the concubines. She came in unto the king no more, except the king delighted in her and that she were called by name. Now when the turn of Esther, the daughter of Abihail, the uncle of Mordecai, who had taken her for his daughter, was come to go in unto the king, she required nothing but what Hegei, the king's chamberlain, the keeper of the women, appointed. And Esther obtained favor in the sight of them that looked upon her. So Esther was taken unto King Ahasuerus into his royal house in the tenth month, which is the month Tebeth, in the seventh year of his reign. And the king loved Esther above all the women, and she obtained grace and favor in his sight more than all the virgins, so that he set the royal crown upon her head and made her queen instead of Vashti. The Persian king appointed Esther as queen. This illustrates how God can turn the hearts of sinful people to serve his purpose. Esther is now in a position to help her people when the need arises. That comes about five years later. God uses the free decisions of those involved to protect his people. Isn't he good? Okay, verse 18. Then the king made a great feast unto all his princes and his servants, even Esther's feast, and he made a release to the provinces and gave gifts according to the state of the king. 
And when the virgins were gathered together the second time, then Mordecai sat in the king's gate. Esther had not yet showed her kindred, nor her people, as Mordecai had charged her. For Esther did the commandment of Mordecai, like as when she was brought up with him. So, quick note. Esther was chosen. She was crowned queen of the great Persian Empire. She wasn't puffed up with pride. She wasn't stuffed full of self-importance because of her status and power. She didn't despise her cousin's advice either. She also didn't disdain her spiritual heritage. She manifested a spirit of meekness, humility, and submissiveness, even after becoming queen. Now in those days, while Mordecai sat in the king's gate, two of the king's chamberlains, Bigthan and Teresh, of those which kept the door, were wroth, and sought to lay hand on the king Ahasuerus. And the thing was known to Mordecai, who told it unto Esther the queen, and Esther certified the king thereof in Mordecai's name. And when inquisition was made of the matter, it was found out. Therefore they were both hanged on a tree, and it was written in the book of the Chronicles before the king. After these things did King Ahasuerus promote Haman, the son of Hamadatha, the Agagite, and advanced him, and set his seat above all the princes that were with him. And all the king's servants that were in the king's gate bowed and reverenced Haman, for the king had so commanded concerning him. But Mordecai bowed not, nor did him reverence. Here we see Mordecai refused to bow before Haman because of his loyalty to God. The honor paid to Haman by the king's servants and others was either undeserved or bordered on conduct reserved by the Jews only for worship of God. Mordecai would not consent to bow down or prostrate himself before Haman, just as Daniel's three companions manifested this conviction in the book of Daniel. Then the king's servants, which were in the king's gate, said unto Mordecai, Why transgressest thou the king's commandment? Now it came to pass, when they spake daily unto him, and he hearkened not unto them, that they told Haman, to see whether Mordecai's matters would stand, for he had told them that he was a Jew. Okay, those around Mordecai, they wanted to know why he didn't bow down. Everyone else was doing it. He only told them, I am a Jew. Now remember, God sent the Jews into captivity to purge them of their idolatry. From Ezra to Nehemiah, we see how the Jews, who went back to Jerusalem, they learned their lesson. They wanted a worship that was free from idolatry. Here in the book of Esther, we see how the Jews who did not go back, they learned a lesson too. It meant something to them now to be a Jew and they refused to kneel down to any human, any idol. It should mean something to us, too. Much like Mordecai, we need to take a firm and open stand for Christ and the righteous standards of his word in the midst of the pressures of a worldly society. Verse 5 And when Haman saw that Mordecai bowed not, 
nor did him reverence. Then was Haman full of wrath, and he thought scorn to lay hands on Mordecai alone, for they had showed him the people of Mordecai. Wherefore Haman sought to destroy all the Jews that were throughout the whole kingdom of Ahasuerus, even the people of Mordecai. Haman was like the prime minister of Persia, the first political figure in the Bible to devise a sinister plan to exterminate all of the Jews within his sphere. This plot of genocide against the Jewish race has its parallel in Antiochus Epiphanes' plot in the 2nd century. In Hitler's schemes, 20th century Europe, Islamic terrorism in the 21st century, and in the Antichrist at the very end of it all, who will seek to destroy all the Jews and all the Christians. In the first month, that is, the month Nisan, in the twelfth year of King Ahasuerus, they cast poor, that is, the lot, before Haman from day to day, and from month to month, to the twelfth month, that is, the month Adar. Another quick note here. Poor, it's something similar to dice. Haman used it to determine that lucky day on which he would destroy the Jews. Almost a full year intervened between the casting of the lots and the execution of the plan. As you can imagine, this gave Mordecai and Esther, under God's providential hand, time to counter Haman's evil plot. Okay, verse 8. And Haman said unto King Ahasuerus, There is a certain people scattered abroad and dispersed among the people in all the provinces of thy kingdom. Their laws are diverse from all people, neither keep they the king's laws. Therefore it is not for the king's profit to suffer them. If it please the king, let it be written that they may be destroyed, and I will pay ten thousand talents of silver to the hands of those that have the charge of the business to bring it into the king's treasuries. One of God's purposes in giving the law to Israel was to make them different from the other people. Haman recognized that there was something different in the Jews, and maybe he even hated them for it. Under the new covenant, God still writes, his people are to be separate, different from the world, a holy people, peculiar for his own possession. The world will hate God's people because they are different, they are holy, they are righteous, and because they hated him first. Verse 10. And the king took his ring from his hand and gave it unto Haman, the son of Hamadatha, the Agagite, the Jew's enemy. And the king said unto Haman, The silver is given to thee, the people also, to do with them as it seemeth good to thee. Then were the king's scribes called on the thirteenth day of the first month, and there was written, according to all that Haman had commanded, unto the king's lieutenants, and to the governors that were over every province, and to the rulers of every people of every province, according to the writing thereof, and to every people after their language, in the name of King Ahasuerus, 
was it written and sealed with the king's ring. And the letters were sent by posts into all the king's provinces to destroy, to kill, and to cause to perish all Jews, both young and old, little children and women, in one day, even upon the thirteenth day of the twelfth month, which is the month Adar, and to take the spoil of them for a prey. The copy of the writing for a commandment to be given in every province was published unto all people, that they should be ready against that day. The posts went out, being hastened by the king's commandment, and the decree was given in Shushan the palace. And the king and Haman sat down to drink. But the city of Shushan was perplexed. So we'll read more tomorrow. We'll see if thou altogether holdest thy peace at this time. And we will see how where we are is where God has placed us. Because truly thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this. <laughs>